rebuild part six. Nehemiah is where we are, chapter four. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have a phone, it's, if not, it's okay. We got TVs and all that for you. All right, so here you have Nehemiah who went on 120 days of aligning his heart to Jesus. 120 days of prayer and fasting. We've been doing this for like 40 days or so, maybe the 35 days, something like that. And, and I'm just saying along this journey, you're like fasting 50 days is crazy. Well, he went 120 days of prayer and fasting, seeking God's will for his life. He finds out that the God's people, the Jewish nations, in shambles, and he seeks God's heart, and it burdens his heart, and so he goes to rebuild these walls. But we know the purpose of rebuilding the walls was not to rebuild walls for the project's sake. It was ultimately that he wanted to see God's people free. He wanted to see them become who they were created to be in Christ. You got to know this, that when Nehemiah built the walls in Jerusalem, it was not just for the sake of building a building. It was that I would rebuild the lives of people. His whole heart was people. When he saw people who didn't know God's plan for their life, it broke him. It wrecked him. He couldn't stand it. And so he got involved and said, I've got to do something to solve this issue. And so he does it. He gets the call of God. He asks his boss, boss, can I leave to go build these walls? The boss says, yes. The boss gives him the resources. He gives him the time off and he goes to venture out to rebuild these walls. And we talked about this in part two of the series where he's kind of like slow to speak. He, he doesn't get in a hurry. So many people are in a hurry. You're in a hurry, 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 hurry. You show up to, to prayer with Jesus and you're like, okay, God, hurry. I only got five minutes to, to talk with you today. So hurry, give me the answers. You were in a hurry in high school before a test. Everybody say amen. Jesus, help me pass this test or whatever in college. Help me, Jesus. When you propose to your spouse, help me, Jesus. Help her say yes like it was a fast, Jesus, help me. You ever been a quick prayer to Jesus like hurry, I need it now. But Nehemiah was like, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to be in a hurry. I want this thing to be your way and how you want to do things. So I'm on your time. I trust your timetable. So Nehemiah doesn't get in a hurry. He goes and he tells the people, hey, don't forget the reason why we're building the walls. It's because we're up to the good work. Everybody say good work. I see your faces today, and I had to put on the fluorescent lighting. All those horrific as fluorescent lighting is, I wanted to see your faces today so that you would repeat with me, and I would see your face. So I want you to say this. Say, good work. Good work. That's better. So good work. So he's like, don't give up the good work because there's only one good work. I mean, a lot of fun work and hard work, but the good work is sharing the good news. So it's good work because it's sharing the good news. And so let's not give up sharing the good news, in other words. There's good news. There's a lot of people who don't know the good news, so let's keep sharing the good news. Let's keep the good work up. So he tells them, keep the good work up. We've talked on these things throughout the series. You can go back and listen to them online. So today, we're in part six of this, Nehemiah chapter four, and I've titled the message, and I need you to repeat this, the other things. Say, the other things. Now, we're going to say that a lot because when you walk out of here, you're going to forever remember the phrase, the other things. It's the other things. That's all I want you to get downloaded in your heart today. I want you to say the other things. The other things. Did you know it's the other things in life? You're going to start repeating everything I say. The, it's the other things. God has placed this in my heart today for you. It's the other things. It's the other things that get in your way of allowing God to do everything he wants to do in your life. It's the other things. 
And I want you to see this in Nehemiah chapter 4. So Nehemiah is excited. He's got the call of God on his life. He goes to rebuild the walls. He's got the people. He's got the resources. He's ready to go, and they start the construction of the walls. The moment he starts the construction of the walls, the enemy shows up. And every time I say enemy, I want you to consider for a minute the enemy in your life. And the enemy in your life is the enemy in my life, and his name is Satan. Ultimately, behind it, it's not the person that you say, oh, I know who my enemy is. It's like your coworker, it's your boss, it's whatever. Hopefully not your spouse, but you're like, you know, your children. But the enemy behind all of it is Satan. So the moment God wants to do something amazing in your life, I have found the moment you start pursuing Jesus, it's like everything comes your way to try to stop you from getting close to Jesus. Some of you today probably had a hard time even showing up here. I've heard people tell me, you know, we, we, we were struggling even coming today, but I'm so glad I came. Something changed, we decided to come, you know, and how the enemy can work in so many practical ways. So Nehemiah starts the construction of the wall, and this is where we pick it up, Nehemiah chapter 4. When Sanballat, who by the way is the governor, when the governor of the state is against you, the chances of you doing what God wants to do is, is kind of, say, more challenging. In other words, if you wanted to start a construction prop business, okay, and the governor, DeSantis, says up and says, I'm not going to let you, the odds don't seem so much in your favor. When your neighbor says, I'm not going to let you build the building you want to build, right, if the county says, I'm not going to let you build the church, okay, the governor steps in and says, I'm not going to let you build the church. It's going to be a little more challenging to build the church. Does that make sense to you? You're following? So Nehemiah is told by the government, this isn't going to happen. The government, we're going to ensure that the construction doesn't happen. But Nehemiah knew the king had already spoken. So no matter what you think, You've got somebody to report to, and the person that you're reporting to is higher than you, and the higher person has already told me it's going to happen. And he wasn't talking about his own boss. He was talking about the king of kings, right? So he knew the government was wrong. So he, but Sanballat, the governor, heard that they were rebuilding the wall. He became angry, was greatly incensed. He couldn't believe this, incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, so he's brought his troops when Satan attacks you, he doesn't come alone. He comes with everything in his power, and he brings his army. Paul would say in Ephesians, the demonic forces of evil. Everything in his power to come against you. I don't think we talk about Satan enough in church sometimes. You forget that there's a real man named Satan out there, an angelic presence, a spiritual being who wants to destroy your life. And he comes against you in every way he possibly can. So he shows up with his army. And here's a couple of things he says. He says, what are those feeble Jews doing? And we're going to break these down one by one. He begins by attacking the people. Feeble is defined as withered or miserable. In other words... You are not capable of this. Let me remind you of your past. Let me, the people had been living in slavery for the past hundred years at this point. 
When Satan wants to start attacking your life, he will remind you of your past, which God has already forgotten. If he wants to cause a divorce in your home, he'll take you back to yesterday. You ever gotten in an argument and you talk about something that happened two weeks ago? Or it stays and it festers and it grows there. He just brings up your past. Do you know what you did last night? Why in the world are you singing in church today? You know what happened yesterday. Somebody laughed because they were like, oh yeah, that was me. Okay, Do you, Does that make sense? God moves forward. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Yet Satan says, no, I'm going to keep them right in front of your face. Let me remind you of your past. When you're trying to pursue a goal for God, he will throw whatever he can from your past your way of why you can't go there. You can't accomplish that. Let me remind you you're feeble. Let me remind you of your brokenness. Let me remind you of that deep, dark pain that sits inside of you and you haven't conquered it yet. What makes you think you can accomplish anything great for God? You are feeble people. You are miserable people. He reminds them of their past. Just beginning. Amen. Secondly, he says, will they restore their wall? It's an attack on the work. He doesn't even attack the person. He attacks the job they're doing. You ever put hard effort in only for somebody to come in and mock it? You ever, you ever painted walls, you know, in your house or something? And somebody's like, oh, man, you got part of that on it. That's, that's like all crooked. You're like, I slaved all night long to that. And then somebody comes in and ridicules your work. You ever take an art class and you drew something? And you said, I mean, do you see what it is? They're like, oh, yeah, it was a cat. And you're like, no, it was a horse. What are you talking about? Just your work gets ridiculed. You show up to work, you work hard, and your boss comes in and ridicules the hard work you put in. And it hurts. The enemy comes in and ridicules the actual labor that they're doing. Will they restore their wall? Next, he attacks their God. He says, will they offer sacrifices by attacking their God? Offering sacrifices was a way of saying, it'll take a lot more than your God to do this. Now, I want you to hear that. It's going to take a lot more than just praying to make this happen. It's going to take a lot more than worship. When the enemy shows up and tells you it's going to take a lot more than God to do it, what the enemy is trying to do, you've got to pay attention to this. Take this down. Make this a mental note. Write it down so you understand how the enemy attacks you. When Satan shows up in your life, he will say, it's going to take a lot more than prayer to save your marriage. In other words, you now are part of the weight of it. And whenever he gets you to feel the responsibility of it, that pressure comes on top of you and the burden gets laid on you. When Jesus said, the truth is, I've come to remove the burdens from you. Yet the enemy comes in and says, it's going to take a lot more than your God. And yet God says, no, nothing's impossible with me. That's why it's so important to download scripture in your heart because when the enemy attacks, you don't know how to come back with the truth. When Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness, every time the enemy had a word for him, Jesus had a right word for him. That's why understanding scripture is so important. So you can combat it with the truth, the sword of the spirit. Amen. 
Next, he says, I'm going to attack something else. He says, will they even finish in a day? Satan attacks our character. When he says, will they finish in a day? He's eventually saying, eventually I know you. You're going to quit. Eventually I know you. Yeah, God has called you to do something for him. It's going to take more than God. Reminds you of your past. You're feeble. You're not able. Not capable. And I know you. You're a quitter. When it gets hard, you're going to quit. I know it. Because you're not going to be able to put in the time and effort it's going to take to do it. I see this in marriages often. You spend 12 years of not putting Jesus first in your marriage, and then you start to try to change direction in your marriage, and then the thought comes to your mind, this is going to be too hard, it's going to take too long. I want you to hear how the enemy attacks his, the people and how the enemy attacks Nehemiah. Eventually, I know you. You're going to get in the middle of this, and it's, you're going to quit. You'll be tempted to quit. I know you. And he says, will they finish in a day? It was an attack on their character. It's who they are. When I look back at their life, they're quitters. There's a lot of things that you, in your life, desire to accomplish, and you've quit on it. And that idea of being a quitter burns in you, and the enemy comes in and steps in and keeps reminding you that's who you are. I'm here to tell you today, no, you're not. You're not a quitter. I'm also here to encourage you with something. Don't quit. Don't quit. Even in the fast as you pursue God, you might be saying, I've gotten hardly anything out of it, I feel like. Don't quit. The enemy wants to come in and tell you to quit because he knows the harvest will eventually come. The enemy loves to see nothing more than to see you quit. Quit pursuing, quit praying, quit loving, just to give up. Finally, he says, can they bring these stones back to life? Obviously, he had never read the scriptures about how God brought dry bones back to life. Amen. Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble burned as they are? He attacks the materials. He attacks the materials, the actual bricks, the things being used. He just, I want you to see this. He puts whatever's possible at play to get them to stop rebuilding the wall that God instructed them to build. Goes on to say in verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who's at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on the wall would break it down. In other words, it doesn't even need an army. A little fox could jump on it, and the wall's going to come down. Here's what makes this so interesting. All of this was factual. Did you know not every fact is true? You might feel alone, fact, but you're not alone. I'm going to say that again. We were praying against loneliness this morning. You might feel alone, true. It's a, it's a fact. It's not true. 
very fact is truth. Truth is you're not alone. They were poor people. That's a fact. But Jesus said those who are poor are rich in why are you guessing? Spirit. Spirit. Satan will stop at saying you're poor. You need to complete the sentence by saying, but I'm rich in spirit. I'm rich where it matters. They were oppressed. You could be oppressed but not overcome. You could be beat down. Come on, church, finish it. But what? But I'm not broken. Do you have a comeback for every word that Satan has against you? You should. If you don't, it's like a soldier going into battle without a weapon. Good luck. From a human point of view, they did not stand a chance. But here's how Nehemiah responds. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. The title of the message is The Other Things. It's The Other Things. Nehemiah simply invites God to do the fighting for him. Rather than responding and getting distracted by replying to their words, all he knew was this. I just need to go to my God to hear me out, and my God will take care of it in his own time. He does not send a text message back to those who have offended him or hurt him. He just says, I'm going to go to God about this. And I know that God will handle you however he needs to handle you. I trust God more than I trust myself to handle this, so I'm going to Jesus about this. And he doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't get distracted. Nehemiah, by the way, in his prayer, wasn't wanting vengeance on his enemies. God bless or curse my boss. I can't believe it. You know, I hope they hit in a car crash today or something. He wasn't being vengeful on them. It was simply he was wanting freedom for God's people. He was a servant of God, and therefore he was concerned only for the glory of God. And I love this last line, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height. And we're going to pause here today. For the people worked with all of their heart. Here's the download I hope that you take today. Don't spend time thinking about the enemy's words anything that keeps you doing from what God has called you to do that will only help the enemy. The enemy is great at throwing other things in your path. For Nehemiah, this enemy steps in and throws out past insults. He questions his character, calls him a quitter. He mocks at his building. He mocks at the resources. He throws whatever he can throw your way to get you to stop the project that God has you on. And yet Nehemiah 
Time and time again, and you'll see it through the story of Nehemiah, he refuses to come off of his wall. We might talk about this later on in this series where Sanballat says, come down and meet with me in the valley. I've preached on this before. And what was the name of the valley? Do you remember? Oh, no. Do you remember this? And Jesus and Nehemiah says, oh, no, I'm not coming off my wall. I'm not going to meet you in the valley. I'm not responding to that text message. I'm not responding to that email. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to my God. I'm going to fight where I need to fight. And I'm going to keep staying on the track that God has me on. It's the other things. The enemy is great at throwing other things in your path to get you to stop the work that God has called you to do. So here's what I've come to answer. How do you not allow the other things to get in the way? And it's the phrase that was talking myself through this, and I heard God speak to me. I believe in my heart. He said, you have to settle it. You just have to settle it. You settle it. Nehemiah didn't get distracted by other things because he overcame distractions by settling what God had called him to do. So I've come to encourage you to settle it so you don't get distracted by the other things. Now let me apply this to you. So what does this mean for me? How do I take that? What does this really mean for me today? How many of you have children in the room? Children. So a lot of you have children in the room. How many want your children to go to heaven? Now watch this. I'm going to spend some time on this application part. Let's do this together so that you learn this. What are other things that the enemy will throw your way to do whatever he can to ensure that doesn't happen? I'll give you one. Sports. Other things. Am I against sports? No. My children play sports. I've coached sports. The enemy's not the sport. But the enemy can throw the other thing to get you distracted from what you ultimately want. It's the other things. It's the other things. You want your children to go to heaven. What are some other things that can get in the way? Social media. Can social media lead a child away from Jesus? Yes or no, church? Yet the first thing you do when you go to a restaurant is just keep it down so that nobody looks at us while we eat this food, please. For the love of Jesus, don't leave crumbs on the table, please. It's the other things. God wants you to hear this today, Dad. It's the other things. It's the other things. What else takes your children away from the trajectory, like the trajectory, you know, the going towards God. What are other things that get in the way? What? You, the parents. Yeah, sure. Other things. Past failures, other things. 
Think about the other things. How many want good good communication in your home? Okay, hopefully every family, I hope to God, is represented. You want good communication between you, your spouse, your children, your family. And yet you're texting each other from upstairs and downstairs. (laughs) It's the other things. My daughter, we moved to our neighborhood. My daughter wants to play outside with some friends. And I'm not against having friends. Go play, have friends, that's fine. But I had to show her yesterday because she woke up at like 9 o'clock in the morning, can't go play with my friends. I said, no, 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 today's a family day. And I set her down, and rather than just playing like the trump card kind of a thing, I just said, do you understand why? See, we want a family that's close. And I asked her, would you rather have, this is the downside of being married to a person who preaches God's word. For, I'm like, so sit down, it's a sermon time. So I'm like, take some notes. <laughs> but I said, you know, uh, do you want a close family or a distant family? And she said, close family. I said, but you can't have a close family if you're gone all the time. Eventually, you'll find yourself distant. I'm just trying to show you how so subtle and so practical the enemy can finagle his way into your relationship with your child and use friends, which is not the bad side. It's not like the friends are the enemy, but it's the other things that will be thrown your way to get you off of the wall you're trying to build a healthy family. It's the other things. It's all the things that you have to do. One of the greatest hindrances in most people's prayer lives is the grocery store. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's the other things. How many of you ever tried to go pray, but you said this, let me just do this first? Come on. Let me just do this first. It's the other things. I'm going to take my wife on a date night and involve, invest in our marriage, but let me do this first. And then, do you ever said you're going to do something first and then your mind forgets what you were going to do? Let me do this first. It's the other things. What gets in the way of your relationship with the body of Christ, the church? You know what stops you from serving in a church? Come on, say it if you're following the title. The other things. The thing that stops people from getting involved and serving in their local church, wherever they're at, is the other things. The enemy is so good at throwing other things your way to make sure you don't accomplish God's plans for your life. It's the other things. It's always the other things. It's the other people. The enemy will throw other people your way to get you to not do what God has called you to do. He'll, get, he'll use past experiences. He'll use any other thing to get you to make sure that you do not do what God has called you to do. Other things. Before you give to the Lord, he'll remind you of the other things you want. the other things. It's always the other things. So how do you get over the other thing? How how do you, and I was just wrestling with this this week. Andrews, would you come up here? I'm wrapping up. Which means you know I got about 10 more minutes. Amen. Because it's on the clock. I got 10 minutes, 11, 10, 9. So 10 more minutes. It's the other things. 
I need you to see this. When I was talking with the Lord this week about this sermon, I actually, I'll, I'll tell you a quick thing that happened. I was going into my prayer closet. I, I prayed in actually my closet. Just, I'm weird. I just took it literally. So I go to my closet and I pray. But it's the one space I can get away that I don't hear a lot of noise and I like shut everybody out. And I sat down on my phone and my hand, you ever notice your thumb just naturally goes to Facebook or Instagram or just like, have you done it? Try deleting the app and then you open up the phone and go, whoa, it's like, the, it's like a muscle memory, you know? So I, muscle memory, like social media. And before I know it, I'm watching all kinds of different videos and 20 minutes has passed by. And I knew I was preaching on the other things. This is on Friday afternoon. I've been meditating on this all week long. And then I start laughing at myself, Don, because I'm like, this is crazy. Here I am allowing other things. Like, I'm, I'm in it. I get it, Jesus. I've got a lot of other things that are getting in the way of what you're wanting to do in my life. How subtly, how practically the enemy will put other things your way to ensure that you do not do what God has spoken. So how do you overcome that? I was wrestling. How do you, how do you not allow the other things? What's your name? Eleanor. Eleanor, how do you allow the other things? I'm not asking you to answer. It's rhetorical. But how do you allow the other things not to get in the way? If you're a family, a dad, how do you not allow the other things to get in the way of your relationship with your children? How do you not allow your job to get in the way of your relationship with your wife? How do, you, how, do you, how do you stop the other things from taking over? The other things. How do you overcome that? Because it's a reality. Because you've got to go to the store. You, gotta, you want to get friends. You want to have some real, But how do you not allow the other things to get in the way of what God wants to do in your life? I felt like God gave me this phrase. Just maybe you could take this and wrestle with it this week to see if you find truth in it. He told me, settle it. And he gave me the picture. And I was going to bring it in, but I was in the media center today with the carpet. I'm like, I'm all nervous that the church has got to pay thousands of dollars to repair the carpet if I mess something up. So go with me on this illustration. I was going to pour some concrete in a bucket and make some concrete quick creep that like hardens into about 30 minutes. Does that make sense to you? When you pour concrete and you mix it all, you can engrave stuff, you can shape it, you can mold it, but once it's settled, it's settled. It only takes about 30 minutes to settle it. I've come to invite you to settle some things today. Settle it give you an example. My children will know Jesus and nothing will get in the way. Ready, mom, dad? Now settle it. In my marriage, God will be first. Settle it. It's a shift of priorities all the time. As you move as a follower of Jesus towards becoming like Jesus for the rest of your faith in Jesus, the rest of your life on this planet until the day you ascend with Jesus and live in his presence forever, 
as you move closer to him, the enemy will absolutely throw whatever he can your way to distract you from the most important thing. And he will throw the other things to try to get your mind off the one thing, Jesus. It's the other things that get in your way. And I thought about this image about just making concrete in a house, in a foundation, and just settling it. Settle it already. Settle it. We will be a house that serves Jesus, right? Or I will pray with my children. I will show them the Lord. I will accomplish this plan for my life. I will build this thing. I will do this, that. I will serve. Watch this. Just, just, think, just imagine living your life this way. I will serve in my church. It's settled. I will serve in my church. It's settled. But there's other things. No, it's settled. You see? It's a decision. But there's other things I got to do. It's the other things. I'm going to pray for the next two weeks or join in this fast or something. I'm going to wake up each day. I'm going to pray. Settle it. Then settle it. You always give time to the things you value. Always. Always. I told my wife this this week. She's been battling some, like, gives some quiet time stuff. I said, you got to settle it. You just got to settle it. What do you mean? Every morning you wake up and make coffee. Now all my coffee drinkers say amen. amen. You will run to Starbucks. You will spend money you don't have to ensure that you get caffeinated in the morning. Amen. You, you're woken up and you don't have coffee. And you're like, I'm going to go to Publix in my pajamas. For the life of me, I need my caffeine. We're over in our personal spending budget. I'm sorry, babe. I stopped and got a $9 coffee at Starbucks today. You ever done this? You know what you do? You know, do you know why you have that coffee or whatever that routine might be? Or you eat food? Because you've settled it. You settled it. You've made a decision. I've settled it. My encouragement is you settle on the most important thing. Jesus first. Settle it. Giving, tithing, serving God, whatever that might look, just Jesus first in my finances. This is not a giving sermon per se, but it's settling it. It's settled. What things do you need to settle in your life? I'm going to get healthy. I'm settling it. It's settled. My soul will get healthy. I'm settling it. It's settled. I'm going to forgive them. I'm speaking to somebody. I'm going to forgive them. It's settled. I'm making the call today. It's settled. The concrete's been poured. The water's been mixed. It's settled. Forgiveness is coming to my heart today. It's settled. Settle it. Don't allow the other things to get in the way of the one thing that God wants to do through you and your heart and your life. Forever on your journey with God and following Jesus, there will always be 
other things thrown your way to get you to stop doing what God has called you to do. Wrap up with this final story for me. In my life, I remember giving my life to Jesus when I was 27, like fully surrendering my life. I'm 27, I say, Jesus, whatever you want to do in my life, have your way, do it. I had no intention of church planting or being a pastor at a church or anything like that at all, not even close. But I tell Jesus, 27, I'm giving my life to you. And for the past 14 years, I've been doing that. And in the journey of 14 years, I want you to hear this. This is me, and maybe this will mean something to you. But for the 14 years of serving the Lord and doing what he calls me to do, and surrendering to him, I don't think I've ever thought about denying Jesus as Lord. I remember coming to a pretty pivotal moment somewhere about year two or year three in to my ministry life. And let's just say following Jesus, because this is true for everybody. So you don't have to be in ministry to hear this. Um, but two to three years in following Jesus, I remember thinking, I'm pretty convinced that there's a God, there's one, it's Jesus. Jesus has come. There's no way to salvation through heaven other through Christ. Faith, you know, grace through faith alone. Like, I, I became pretty convinced. I don't think I'll ever go back to a place where I deny the truth of God. I kind of got there. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I, I think I'm there. You know, and since that like season of my life, it has never been normally for me to question salvation in Christ alone. But there has been so many other things that have tried to get me to stop doing what I know God has called me to do. For me personally, other jobs. You don't go into ministry for money. And all my ministers in the house know amen. Okay. And if there isn't a lot of you, I bless you. But the point is, is you don't go into ministry for making money. It's been the other things that try to stop me from doing what God's called me to do and building a church or planting a church. It's always been the other things. I'll be Googling other jobs, Googling other things I could do. What, what else could I do? What could, what, how can I make, what can I do? Anything I can other do. Is there anything else I can do? Something other thing, some other thing to get me to stop doing the one thing that God has called me to do. Because I'm not losing my salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not salvation that's on the table. It's my journey to Jesus and becoming more like him. And the enemy will do whatever he can to try to distract you from the most important thing. Mom, dad, listen to me. If you're raising children or on your way or going to raise children one day or plan to raise children one day, listen to me. Don't you forget about the other, about what's, the one thing that's most important. Don't allow the other things to stop the most important thing. Don't allow the iPads and games and all those things. Don't allow the other things to get in the way. Sporting events and things, just so many other things will be thrown your way to distract you from the most important thing. Don't allow the other things. If you're about to get married, gonna get married, make a decision today. And I'm talking to the men if you're getting married. Settle it. Me and my wife, Jesus first. Settle it. 
We will serve at whatever church God has assigned us to. Settle it now, couples who are not married yet. Settle it. Settle it now. Don't wait to settle it. Settle it now. Settle it. If you're a young professional, I know you don't like to be called millennials. You don't like to be called young professionals. So, if you're a young professional, settle God first in my life. Settle it today. Settle it. Settle it then. Time with Jesus. Settle it. Don't forget our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus came to die for you. He came to give his life because he loves you. You close your eyes. I want you to encounter God's love in this moment. God loves you. You need to know, man, woman, wherever you are in your life, whatever age, the love of God and the love of God that he has for you is greater than you could possibly imagine. He gave his life for you. He doesn't ask you for anything in exchange. Just to trust him. Place your confidence in him. Like a good dad who says, trust me. I know the best way for you. Just trust me. I know the plans for you. Would you, would you trust me? God invites his people to trust him. Would you trust me? Would you trust me in your marriage? Would you trust me that I know? Trust me. Trust my way is better than your way. Trust me. When you invite Jesus into your life, you're shifting trust. Your trust is not in your job. Your trust is not in yourself. Your trust is not in your spouse. Your trust is not. Your trust is only in Jesus. You can tell him today, Jesus, I'll make the decision to trust you. I'm laying down my life and I trust you. I'm laying down my life and I trust you. I don't have to understand everything about you to trust you. I will never understand everything about you, but I'll trust you. We'll make that decision today. Would you stand up? Place your trust in him. Now, you don't have to stand up, but you need to make a decision today. You trust him. Okay. Close your eyes. I'm praying for you. Jesus. I pray for everyone standing. I can call a lot of your names, but for time I won't. But I'm thinking of your name right now. Rick, Chris, Don, so many of you. Settle it. Settle it. If you haven't stood and you need to stand, stand up. Settle it. Jesus first. I'm proud of you for standing. Settle it. No more sin. Turn from your sin. Repent of your sin. Repent. 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 Somebody needs to hear it. Repent. It's not like God's angry at you, yelling at you, screaming at you. He's pleading with you. Please repent. Don't let the enemy destroy your marriage. Repent. Repent. Turn to me. Trust me. I know the best way. Tell him, Lord, I'm settling it. I trust you. It's settled. In your finances, Settling it, Lord, you first. I'm going to settle it today. I'm going to settle it. I'm going to, serving in a church, I'm going to settle it. 
I need to forgive them. I need to forgive them. I need to forgive them. Settle it. I need to raise my children. They need to know you, God. Settle it. Settle it. Let it settle. Like a firm foundation. Let it be settled. You tell Satan, like Nehemiah, I'm settling it. I'm moving forward. I'm taking a step forward today. I'm settling it. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm not going to quit. I'm focused. Say that. I'm focused. I'm settled. I'm settled. It's settled. It's settled. I believe by faith that people are settling things all over the room that have been distracting you for the most important thing. Settle it. Have the conversation with your spouse. Don't wait until tonight. Start talking the moment you leave this place. Settle it. If you need to stay here for a minute and settle it, settle it. If you need to let go of what happened last night in the argument, discussion, settle it. Forgiveness is in the house. I'm settling it. It's settled. It's not going to carry on in a moment more. Jesus, thank you. It's settled. Be our foundation. Jesus, we love you. We need you. In your name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to wrap up. Amen. You can celebrate. It's okay. Should we clap? <laughs> it is interesting how we golf clap Jesus, but yet we like, Woo! for Jesus. Go crazy for the lightning. Whatever sports team we love. If you made a decision today, there's a connection card on your seat. Would you fill it out? Take that step or just like, hey, made a decision to follow Jesus or need to recommit my life to Jesus. I need prayer for something. I need to speak with the pastor or somebody, a staff member here, have questions about the church. You could write a note on there. Just encourage me. Man, I really like your shirt. No God, make him known. Can I have one of those? Just whatever. I'm just leaving you, leaving you room. So just fill out the connection card. We want to get connected with you. We'd love to pray with you, stand with you about whatever you may be battling. You want to serve, volunteer, let us know. It's all in the connection card. You rip off the connection card, you turn it in at Brave Central, or you can drop it discreetly where no one will even notice you in the offering basket. Does that make sense? And there's offering bins on the way out. Uh, Meet Brave is August the 15th, and that's when we've changed it to. So we would love to meet with you. We'll have a small lunch after service. And we would love for you to sign up to be a part of that. If you're new to the church or new to the area, I would just love to share our heart with you, get to know you and your family, get to meet our staff. That's on August the 15th. Tentatively, men, if you love golf and just have some time, even if you don't have golf clubs, you're like, ah, but I just want to meet some men in the church. Come hang out. We're going to do golf, a golf outing August 22nd. It's kind of tentative, but pencil that in. So don't permanent marker, but August 22nd following service. We're going to play some golf together. Man, right here at Fox Hollow, right down the road. We're going to reduce the price for you, and we're going to carry some of the cost, but it's just going to be some time to play some golf, have some fun. And so, uh, amen. Golfer. Okay. Me and you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Jesus, we love you. Bless your church today. Make your face shine upon them. Would you keep them close? Keep them from evil? Would you guide them and uphold them as they walk out these doors today? May your spirit be forever with them. May you keep them close. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. Go make him known to the world. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Take care.